I was thinking about you know this uh, this day, especially in light of what we were talking about last week and these the last few weeks. And uh, you know, I don't know how many of you all know my uh, my story in meeting Elizabeth. Uh, but years ago, you know, this is almost 16 years ago now, we, uh, we got set up on a blind date, which uh, has risks involved with it. And, uh, and because mom is here, she's the one that started it. Um, she called me up one day and said, hey, there's this uh, woman from uh, Spartanburg, which is their hometown, and we want uh, you to meet her. And I said, no. Nah. Uh, like I'm, I'm done with that. You know, I, I kind of done away with dating and, and uh, especially with my family involved. I said nope. <laughs> and she said, well, we've already said that you would. And I said this is the reason why I don't want to do this. And so they, uh, they persisted because I still didn't call <laughs> after several weeks, uh, even though my family had said that I would. And uh, we had a great first conversation. And, uh, and we went out, uh, but I was uh, intending entirely to uh, just show her that I could be a friend, drop her off, and then, you know, and then say goodbye, because I, I really didn't want anything at the time to do with dating. And, uh, and so I was really cocky about it, too. Uh, showed up to the front door, just like, you know, all right, this is going to be quick. Had planned to take her right next door to where her apartment was. And then she opened the door. <laughs> and... And, like, I got struck by lightning. <laughs> I, I really don't know what happened for, you know, half a minute, you know, a minute or so. It, I got blinded, and apparently the way that she tells it, I began to kind of float <laughs> toward her <clears throat> as she had her hand extended. And, and I ended up coming up against it. And, uh, <laughs> you know... It, it was so awkward. I, I, I had my brain scrambled, and, and so between that encounter and the car, I rearranged our plans, took her 30 minutes across town in Atlanta to this really cool cafe called the Roman Lily Cafe that served, like, specialty southern food. It was a hidden spot that you only take the most special person in town, and it was, I was going to spend as much time with her as possible. And the first conversation we had was about Jesus. The, the two of us were uh, in the same spot. We had, you know, come to various different, from various different perspectives, uh, perspectives that Jesus alone was all that we wanted in life. Um, and so she told me that with a piece of spinach on her front tooth. Uh, <laughs> and I asked her about it. I said, are you missing a tooth? You know, I was... <laughs> So that should have been a clue to you what you're getting yourself into for the rest of your life. Um, she ordered chicken and biscuits, and I, I fell in love with her, you know, at that point. I was like, that's a woman right there. And she didn't touch the chicken. She ate just the biscuits, you know, and it was amazing. So that's it's coming up on, you know, uh, election night. This, this coming up in years, 16 years since we met. And... Uh, you know, th- those first conversations uh, that we have, it's fun to revisit them like this. You know, they, they form like a, 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 a pillar in our life. Yeah. But how many of you guys know that if we're still having the same conversation in the same way, if I'm still relating to her as that same person, Go on. then there's something wrong in our relationship. Yeah. I, uh, I might be seeing her as, a, as an image that I want to project. I might risk seeing her as a, as a statue or as an idol 
and miss the mystery that she is, miss the, uh, the unfolding mystery and the unfolding glory that she is, uh, miss out on the nuances of intimacy with her if I see her only as who she was at that time. And so it's like that also in our, obviously, relationship with God. There are certain doctrines, certain words even that we hear a lot that if we see them once and don't revisit them, they can become static, they can become you know, a stone tablet, they can become a picture of God as opposed to a living relationship like John was just saying. Uh, if we're not hearing from him constantly, then we risk making him into our own image. And so I, I want to talk about the gospel today in light, of, uh, in light of that, knowing that in the same way that in one sense she's never changed, at the same time, she is vastly different because she is more glorious than I could have ever imagined her being today and will be tomorrow as well. In the same way, God's never changed. The, the, the doctrines and the gospel, they haven't changed. And yet, over the course of time, they do change in the sense that we get to know God through it as more glorious. And, and if, if we are truly about being reformers, we have got to continue to seek after revelation in all of our doctrines continuously and grow into every single bit of them because there is no end to his kingdom. He is infinite. There is no end to his heart. It is infinitely big. We come in contact today with aspects, for instance, about God that we may think that he's either letting us down or that we're letting him down only because we are discovering a new aspect of himself in the process. And so we call that testing or sanctification. And we get to minister to him and then he ministers to us like happened this morning and an exchange takes place. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. We instead discover along the way as we continuously pursue him that he is more glorious than we knew of, even though he's the same. And so I want to just challenge you to, to hear afresh the gospel. The, the gospel was first proclaimed in Genesis chapter 3 to the devil first. We hear after the sin of Adam and Eve that God said to the serpent, out of her seed you will come one whose heel you'll bruise, but whose heel will step on your head and crush you. That was the first gospel. Throughout the, the scriptures, and that was, you know, before there was any covenant at all that was in place. There was just the promise and the word of God. Throughout all of history, God has always shown himself to be gracious, to be one who is for us, not against us. Who is always pursuing us at great cost to himself. Even great pain of losing his own personal friend and, and loved one and Adam and Eve in the garden. He was always communicating that gospel to us. And so what, why, uh, why is it we have four Gospels, for instance? You know, because there's, there's different unfoldings of the same truth. And today the Gospel to you is going to be different than what it was a year ago or ten years ago. And there are some here today, uh, John was picking up on it, that really need to hear the Gospel and receive it for the first time. I do believe that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a few uh, you know, Gospel presentations you know, as, a, as, a, you know, as a scan over the Scriptures just a little bit. Because it is important to hear them afresh. We know that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You know, that, that's a, an expression of the gospel. We know from John chapter 3 uh, that he so loved the world. I mean, and, and that, that word, so loved, it's, it's oh, he, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And this is eternal life, he says later, knowing God intimately. 
And so we know that the final expression of that eternal life is in the knowledge and the experience of God. For God did not send his son to the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. We also see, I'm going to skip around a bit also, again, just let these words wash over you as we, as we hear it. In Romans 15, there's a fun expression. Paul is describing the gospel, and his ministry as he's gone throughout all the regions, and you know, he, he says... I'm going to read it, uh, you know, what the gospel is. And he says also that it came with signs and wonders. And this is the fullness of the gospel, as he described. So in chapter 15 of, uh, sorry, uh, verse 18 of chapter 15 of Romans, Paul says, For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result of all of this, I have fully proclaimed the good news about the Messiah from Jerusalem all the way around to Alakirim. It's a part of the expression and the description of the gospel is in the Holy Spirit's power and signs and wonders. We also see in 1 Corinthians 15, and this is kind of uh, Paul trying to get a little bit to his bread and butter. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I passed on to you as that which is most important or primary or foundational when I also received that this is the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared over to over 500 brothers at one time most of them still alive but some have fallen asleep and then he appeared to James and then last of all the apostles to one abnormally born he appeared to me so these are, these are some of the expressions of the gospel. Um, there's, uh, you know, Christ died for all in 1 John 2, 2, uh, for all the world. You know, he took all the sins upon himself for all the world. Amen. And so I want to get into a bit of the nuts and bolts of it. I'm an engineer by background, like my dad is. And, you know, so engineers by nature are just curious. We're like, all right, that's awesome. What's... So, like, you know, you first hear the gospel. He, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. He died and he rose again. That's the gospel. And you're like, I believe. That's what I want. And after a while, you're like, well, how did that happen? And how does that work exactly? It's really important to know these things because it actually helps you to enter into what Jesus himself lived out. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Jesus is said to be the way and the truth and the life, right? We know this from John 14. And, uh, and as such, he is perfect reality. He is the light of the world. In today's world, it's hard to know what is real, correct? You know, you, you listen to the news just a little bit, or you hang out for more than a couple minutes on Facebook, and you're instantly confused. You're like, I don't understand. There's, you guys are saying two different things about the exact same thing. It's just it's baffling to me. Um, it seems like everybody's lying, and it seems like there's, there's truths and fake news and all that stuff, and, and it's hard to really see what is, what is genuine. You know, it, it wasn't so different, actually, for the, the Jews at first. They, they, <laughs> they meet this God who saves them, and he's in a cloud, you know, when, when he shows up in Egypt. That's a bit of a mystery. He, he's, he's a cloud, you know. He, he's a pillar of fire, and they don't understand fully who he is. And they give them, he gives them the law. They give them these Ten Commandments and all the laws that go along with that. And they, they say, okay. 
what do we do with this exactly? And I'm paraphrasing a lot of history, by the way, that I'm just having fun with it, but it, go with me. Uh, because after a while, it is evident that the Jews themselves, they didn't understand it, and they ended up kind of drifting off into, you know, being their own gods and eating and drinking and being merry and, and just really not knowing what to do. So much so that God said, okay, this is what I said I would do if you broke the law. And then he says that as a result of that, I need to send you to Babylon, according to the, the, the covenant that we made. And that devastated the whole community. And then after some 70 years or so, they come back to Israel and they say, okay, well, doing what we wanted to do didn't work. That was bad. Let's do now what exactly the law says. And so for the next 500, 600 years, they begin to do only what the law says. And then they add to it more and more and more. We've got to make sure that we do this because that was bad. That Babylon thing was bad. I don't want that to happen again. Who is this God? I don't know, but this is bad. We will do the law and we will make sure that we do it perfectly well. So well, in fact, that they thought that Jesus was not God's son and they crucified him. They, they missed the point. It, it wasn't obvious who God was when God shows up in Jesus, who is the light of the world, his ultimate reality. In, in our day and time, we know how difficult it is to prove what is true. So in our court systems, we require there to be reasonable doubt or you have to go beyond reasonable doubt in order to prove that someone is guilty. And so you require multiple witnesses. And then you have to hear the logical arguments of the lawyers. And after all that, you still may not know. It still not might be clear, but you make a judgment as best you can, but you don't know the whole perspective. I mean, how many times have you been in a relationship with someone and a friend or anyone else, and you're like, no, <laughs> busted. That was so wrong of you. <laughs> and then the next day, someone says, oh, yeah, by the way, I saw them doing this. And you're like, oh, that changes everything. I completely missed that. And you realize that your own judgment, your own perspective of what is real was you know, skewed or biased. How many of you know that when we try to develop what is true, sometimes our own prejudices and biases are getting in the way of that? And so after a while, it's, it's actually really good news. It's, it's a gospel to know that there is one among us who is real and who is living exactly as we as human beings can live. And he came and his name was Jesus. This is another way of describing the gospel. This one who lived, if we live like him, we live full of life. Because in him is life, and that life is the light of man. This is the light of the world, is this perfect life. That, that is refreshing to me. Yeah. You know, that, that's refreshing to me that in John 6, he says, just believe in me and you'll do these works. Because sometimes I don't know where I'm going to put my foot down when I put my next step out in front of me. I uh, don't know always how to live life because of all the complexity of our culture today and of even the complexity of my own heart. I don't know sometimes if my motives in this direction are totally pure. I, 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 I seek after what I really want them to be pure. Lord, is this right? Is this good? And I, I don't hear anything. Okay, by faith, you know, Romans 14, 23 says, if it's not by faith, it's sin. So therefore, by faith, I'm going to do this as best I understand and believe it in Jesus. And that, so therefore, because of his right life, I can therefore live according to God, pure and right. By the way, that's a huge step of wisdom. If you guys haven't heard that, if, if, if you, you guys pick up on this, it's a big deal. We don't always know what to do. Jesus is the light of the world. He always knows what to do. Or a better way of saying it is that what we do in him is always the right thing to do, even if it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, so 
One of the reformers, Martin Luther, would say, uh, if you sin, sin boldly. That's a paraphrase. He's, he's not saying to sin. He's saying, though, if you do something that you believe is right, even if it's sin, do so as unto the Lord. And, and <laughs> I say this with the holiness, and, and you're, you're good. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many times have you guys uh, in your walk with the Lord discovered that what you were doing a year ago was actually a sin? And you're like, oh, man, I didn't see that. You know? <clears throat> How many things are we doing today that we don't realize are somewhat skewed by our biases and prejudices and, and, and our ungodly minds, all that stuff that have sometimes tried to seep in, even though we're trying as best we can to have the mind of Christ and believe that we're in the spirit. And then we discover, oh, I was off, you know. And how many times has God ever smited us in this state? So shouldn't we be careful not to smite others as they're working out their salvation? So part of being a reforming person and culture is that we allow people room to reform themselves with the Lord and, and in the context of community. This is good news. Um, how many times was Jesus as walking in the light as his perfect reflection of what is true and right and just, the, the perfect law fulfilled, coming up to his disciples and, and, and gently correct them or not necessarily rebuke them head on for what they just then did, but instead say, hey, listen, this is a better option knowing that there was still some stuff in there. He, he chose Peter well before Peter denied him, knowing that that was in him all along. Can we choose friendships? Can we choose relationships? Seeing that there's some stuff that's there that's not right, but nonetheless stick with him throughout the course of time because this is the right one, Jesus, who did the same thing for us in his life. I'm greatly comforted that Jesus is the light of the world and he showed us how to live. Because of that, everything that he did was, was right. Everything that he did was just. Like, he, he knew no sin, right? So he, he, in every action and every motive and every part of his mind and every part of his heart, was pure. Everything. So the people's reaction to that is also a judgment. You know, and, and, and judgment isn't smiting, you know. Judgment is simply revealing what is true, what is on someone's heart, you know, what is going on there. And so the reactions of the, the Pharisees, the reaction of Peter, the reaction of whoever else around was showing everyone else in the Bible story what was really going on in their hearts. And so Jesus would say, hey, listen to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures believing that in them is life, and yet I am right before you, life, and you don't even know who I am. And so they were missing it because their hearts themselves were cold. They, they didn't understand the, the life and the spirit that was in God. And so Jesus shows up, and, and as the perfectly right one, everything that he did was helping us to see what is good and right and, and not so good and not so right, what we call sin. Everyone that he encountered in some way had fallen short of the glory of God. When we first encountered Jesus, and then for the rest of our lives, we discover areas in life where we're not yet like God. And Jesus' response to that is to forgive. We know that because for all the sins that happened to him, they were piled up at the very end of his life as he went to the cross and laid on the cross. And he forgave all those who had put all that on him. Not only that, but at the end, when all the sin of all mankind was placed on him, for all the sins of all time, for all the world, was placed on Jesus on the cross, according to the scriptures. He was forgiving all the time that that was happening. And as a result of that, when we ourselves acknowledge and receive Jesus as our Savior, all those sins are therefore instantly forgiven. 
And then, therefore, they don't require, you know, whatever you're going to call it, punishment. They don't require separation. They don't require, you know, anything that would make us afraid of God. They simply now become invitations into intimacy. And so God is no longer sin conscious in the sense that he's trying to make you feel bad or ashamed or punished or anything like that. Instead, with sin, we become aware that God is pain conscious. Sin itself, it's, it's something that, 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 that causes him pain because it's an area of our own life that's, that's not like him. Uh, you know, if, um, if you have a, you know, a friend or a loved one that, that says something unkind to you, it, it hurts initially. And you're like, ah, oh, that's the difference. Like, we're, we're not on the same page there. We, we feel that. And, and, and it hurts. The goal of Jesus' ministry for us is that we can have intimacy with God forever. Growing intimacy, like I have with Elizabeth, that starts at one spot and then never ends as we grow forward. Along the way, we hit into bumps, and that causes pain, right? You know, if uh, one of my daughters, whom I love very much, you know, says to me something like, I hate you, which has happened, the <laughs> response back isn't, oh, not a big deal, or it's like, oh, I hate you back. It's, ah, that, that hurts. I don't know if you really mean that, but that's still, I don't like that. Like, so there, there's the... We see through the scriptures that God gets pained, that he gets sad, that Jesus himself gets frustrated with his disciples, and there's an emotional quality because he desires relationship with us. Once the rightness or the justice or the justification or the legality of the law has been taken care of, it now is only about relationship with him. And so Jesus on the cross took all those things for us and placed them on the cross to die. And he died to sin and died in sin, not that he sinned himself, but it was placed upon him. And then when we ourselves receive baptism, we die with him. And so those things called sin and those things that were therefore attached to the law also die in us. Therefore, when we are raised in baptism out of the waters, we, like Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us that the Spirit justified Jesus. So when, when it says that, true justification only happens with resurrection and glorification. So you yourself aren't justified just by being forgiven of sin. You yourself are fully justified. This is the good news. Fully justified when the Spirit of resurrection in you fulfills you and connects you with God fully and gives you the promise of glorification and resurrection to come which is astonishingly good news. Um, and so let me try to break it down even further for you. When, when Jesus took all sin for all mankind upon himself on the cross, you know, every bit of it on him, he who knew no sin, so he was perfect, he was innocent. Th- think about an area of your life where you're truly innocent and someone speaks something to you and it really hurts. Uh, where you're, you're giving your best effort at work or you know, to a loved one and they don't see it, where they bypass it, or they even do worse and, and hurt you for it. Ah, oh, man, that was really bad. And you're like, ah, oh, man, I, I really went after that. I, I really put myself out there, and I, I made myself vulnerable. In every aspect that a person can be hurt because of that kind of innocence, Jesus was, because of all the sin that was placed upon him. He was willing to do so. You know, his, his life wasn't taken from him. He, he laid it down. And as a result of that, the father looked at that and said, okay, you're innocent. You should never have died. But because you're willing to, I'm going to let what you did be taken now from not only yourself, but for all who believe in you. 
because it was such a great sacrifice. It's God himself on a cross. And so therefore, when we ourselves enter into a place of believing in Jesus for that, if there is a place where we have had injustice in our own life, if there's a place where someone has, in our own innocence, you know, hurt us, when we forgive, we get the resurrecting spirit within us to supply us that which we lacked. Okay. So let me give me some for instances. Uh, what if uh, growing up, you know, you didn't have everything that you needed? Uh, what if you didn't have a mom or dad or brother or sister? What if you didn't have opportunity? What if you didn't have, um, you know, the things that would have set you up for success? And according to the nature of God, that should have been given to you. Uh, according to what it would have been like to have been a true, you know, uh, child of God, that should have always been yours. I mean, so. Uh, God is such a good father that he doesn't create us uh, simply for us to, to live uh, forever in, in a lesser state. You know, he always designed us to live in the fullness of his love. But because of sin that happened in culture and society, we grow up mostly and almost completely in a world of darkness and evil and these kind of things that stunt our growth, that prevent us from walking in the fullness of our destiny. That's why creation itself is yearning, it's longing, it's wanting so badly for the revelations of sons and gods. So when we discover a place in our life where we didn't have those opportunities, we didn't have that parent speaking, we didn't have that person to be there to help coach us along and so that we feel we have a lack. We get into a job project, we get into a relationship, and suddenly we feel that we don't have what it takes. We're like, oh, I feel that now. I, I feel insecure. We acknowledge where that came from. We say, Lord, forgive that person for not giving it to me. Forgive me for not receiving it if that was the case. But Lord, I, I want that now from you. So it's not just mercy that we give, but we also get back and exchange true justice, which is the spirit which gives us the things that we ourselves lacked. And so if we weren't formed by love, for instance, if, if we didn't hear that attaboy, or I believe you can do this, or Lord, you're so, you're so beautiful to the, to, to the ladies or the guys, receive that afresh in that area as you forgive, though. So Paul tells us that we have... First, first, Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And then Paul says that the debt that we have to one another is to love. We're like God, like sons and daughters, and so our job, our duty is to love. And so when we in community and family in these kind of areas don't love, we create a debt right. for someone. So that's another way of saying what I said before, is that we were always meant to grow up at all times in love. That's why he created us, to be loved at all times. And so when we have parents, family, all that kind of stuff that, that, you know, for whatever reason can't love us in that place, we say, God, I'm lacking that, you know, in my current relationship and the, the job I have. I ask that you would forgive them for not giving it to me, but I need it back in return. I, I need full justice. Full justice isn't that person getting what they deserve. Full justice is me getting the resurrection of the Holy Spirit in me, the Spirit of Christ. Um, I mean, you guys have seen it on the news, right? When they interview a family who's lost a loved one and the courts decide in their favor and that person's now executed and they interview them, it's like, do you feel like justice is served? And they're like, yeah, yeah. But you can tell that they don't feel good. They, they still have a loss in their life. That's not because there wasn't justice in the courts. That's because we are eternal beings and mercy always triumphs over judgment like that. And the resurrection is true justice. You know, none of us, no, no person that's ever done wrong, even Hitler himself, right, never was meant to experience 
you know, hell or, or you know, separation, you know, from God or, you know, however you want to describe it. They, they were always meant to be glorified. Every single person that's out there. And so when we are seeing people, the gospel is that no matter who they are, that person deserves true justice, which is resurrection. They, they deserve true justice, which is love being filled in them so much that they are bursting with it, living water coming out of them at all times. That's true for you. That's true for anyone else that we encounter. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's because he took that himself on the cross. Whenever we feel a lack, whenever we feel that there is something that's been taken from us, true justice means that we can go to Jesus and say, hey, listen, this happened in my life. I, I want it back. This person can't give it to me. I forgive them of that debt. I, I don't want them to be held accountable to that. Lord, take that away. But I need, I need something back. I was meant to be formed by that love that I didn't get. And so I, I need this. So true, the, the true resurrection of Jesus, the true justice of Jesus is in getting from the Spirit that which he died for on the cross. So, you know, uh, there's, there's more that I wanted to kind of talk about for, for time's sake. Um, I wanted to, the, the, the main point of what I wanted to get at is that we, we have a, a God who pierced history and became reality for us so that the places in our own life where there has been injustice, we can look at him and the cross and say, somebody has seen in history. God who sees all things, God who doesn't need a jury, God doesn't have any biases, he doesn't lie. God saw what happened to me. And if I put it on the cross of Jesus, it is therefore validated. And when I forgive, it's vindicated. It's done. It's gone. I mean, how many times have you gone to someone you love and say, hey, listen, this happened to me? And they go, oh, I'm so sorry. Or they say, oh, I'm sorry. Or, because that never happens to us. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm always in such a great mood to forgive or to ask for forgiveness. You know, it, it always feels good to say, I forgive you. And, uh, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't leave you afterwards feeling like you got justice or someone saw or someone really cared. That's, that's a normal emotional response to the things that happen to us that are, that are, that are painful. It is also the normal emotional response because we have the Holy Spirit within us to actually experience true justice and true vindication as we forgive and receive back from him that which was taken from us. It happened in history. The cross is real. It's the realest event in the entirety of the cosmotic history. I just made up that word. All of history is centered on the cross. Yeah. Amen. The beginning of your life happened truly on the cross. Jesus. Before the foundation of the world, you were found in the Lamb of God, according to Ephesians 1, uh, holy and blameless in Him. Yes. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. So before the, Lamb, before the foundation of the earth, you were in Him, slain with Him, dead already to sin and alive now to righteousness. And so at all times, you've already been allowed into that space. And so the cross and what Jesus did on the cross sorry, was to take everything that you could ever do or, or, or all that injustice and make it real. Because, I mean, if you're anything like me, sometimes you really do mean it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed that. And sometimes you're like, <laughs> if, that, if that helps the situation. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't ever do that. 
I always mean it. I do always mean it. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't feel it. So, when we enter into Jesus, when we enter into this relationship, all the things that you did in life, he takes. They're gone. All the burdens, everything that make you feel like you're against God. The scriptures say that we were hostile to God in our mind. He wasn't hostile to us. And so our minds had become so fallen that we didn't realize that God had always been good and always been loving. When we surrender to Jesus and say, hey, that man, you know, he rose from the dead. I don't know anyone else has. But if he says he's the son of God and I can believe in him and have that same thing, I don't know what it means, but I want it. <laughs> then you can have that same life come into you now. And all the things that got you hung up and have gotten you hung up, all the bad relationships, all the things that have hung you up from trying to become your best, all the things in, in you know, sometimes you, you try to establish a goal in life at work, and then you find that you just don't have something in you. You're like, I don't know what it is I'm missing. You ask for help, but it just isn't there. It's not gaining traction. Ask Jesus. Say, hey, listen, that, that, that thing, whatever it is, I, I, don't, I don't even know what it is, but, but in you I have all that I need for life in God. And so, so grant it to me. Like, whoever didn't give that to me, I, I forgive. I let go. I want to receive that. That's the gift that you can have. It's the resurrection in you. It's everything that you need. He has given this to you. Eternal life is now connection with God the Father who is so good that anything you ask for in him and in his will, he will give to you according to what Jesus says. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll, I'll give it to you. And my joy in you will be complete. Amen. So that complete joy is available to you today. And John was right. I, I felt led all week long that today was going to be a gospel message, that there are some folks in here that truly needed to hear the gospel and receive him afresh for the first yeah. time. If you have this feeling that there are injustices in your life that are just never going to ever reach the light and people are truly going to care about, this is your day. This is truly your time to receive vindication. In history, there was one named Jesus who was the son of God, who was pure light, who was actual reality that took that injustice upon himself, if you let him. And he'll take care of it for you. He'll cleanse that heart. He'll make the pain of it go away. When I see on the news angry people shouting about justice, I see instead pain. I see instead that they haven't tasted what true justice is, that they don't know the vindication of God. I don't see them as angry. I don't see that. I, I see compassion in my heart. If you haven't tasted that, if you haven't tasted the sweet joined union of God himself in you, then today's your day, friends. I, I want to I wanna shout it from the rooftops. Today, today is your day. Don't let this day pass because you can experience freedom even now. Yes. I've been experiencing it all morning long. It's for you. Yes. I want to invite the prayer team up if they would and, uh, and, and begin to, uh, to, to minister. Um, for those that are in the prayer team, I'm going to ask that uh, if uh, someone would want to come up and, uh, and receive salvation, that you just lead them in that prayer. You, you bless them with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you pronounce them forgiven and clean in the name of Jesus. So uh, if the prayer team wouldn't mind just coming up, we want to continue this. This has been a sweet service already. Um, and I, I pray that it's been a glory, glory to Jesus. The, um, earlier I was talking about how sin, uh, you know, it, it's no longer creating shame. It creates opportunity. There, there's pain initially. And, and, and James tells us that when we see it, we, should, we, we can experience, like, grief and, like, ah, but the... The, the, the sorrow that leads to repentance, that is, that, that is good. That's life. But the sorrow that makes us feel ashamed, that's not of God. So pain shouldn't lead you to, to, to condemnation or feeling like all oh, stuck. Recognizing that we hurt God is always an invitation that he actually cares. Yeah. 
He cares so much about you that he's willing to let himself be vulnerable to even be you're hurting him. And so, you know, sin is in an area where we, we don't yet have the mind or heart of God and we're acting in a way that he wouldn't. However, when we discover that, it's always, he's always, always looking at it and saying, oh, I'll, I'll take that from you. Here, let me give you what I have that will take care of that for you instead. And so in, intimacy, like, you know, the, the best times I have with Elizabeth, you know, in my heart anyway, uh, or when we, we make up, you know, uh, and and when, when we when we forgive one another, when we bless one another, we, we hug and embrace. Like that, those are the best times, right? When you're like, oh, they, I remember we, when I, I was really immature when we first got married. And if I would hurt her, it would it would kill my heart. And I was like, is she gonna love me again? I mean, is she just gonna be angry? I mean, like, ah, oh, what did I do? Oh Lord! And I I didn't understand you know mature relationship and how you can actually like you know cooperate and, and how forgiveness works and all that stuff and how our hearts can become resilient in Christ. And so when she'd forgive, it was like the best news ever. I was like, oh, God, thank you. God is, he's perfect. He's the most innocent one. He is the most joyful one ever. So hurting his heart, let me say, it's, it's okay as we give it to him and let him pursue us in relationships. So, friends, if, if that's you today, I want to offer that, that, that same opportunity that John offered uh, earlier. Uh, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, you never have before, would you please come up? Would you, would you, would you get right with God, so to speak? Uh, don't feel weird about it right now uh, if, if everyone else is stand, or sitting down. So if you wouldn't mind, all, all people, if you wouldn't mind standing up, if you would like to receive the Lord, please come forward. If you would like to know him as, as your Savior, if you would like to know the one who completes you, if you would like to know the one who gives you life everlasting, please come forward for that. And if any other needs that are here in the house uh, have been triggered during our time, if there's a need for you to know that kind of like consuming relationship who will always pursue you, if you want to receive healing or justice, please come forward and our amazing, sensitive, caring, fierce prayer warriors will will, will pray with you. Um, So with that in mind, I'm going to pray. We're going to have our uh, welcome lunch to uh, anyone who would like to, correct? Uh, Yeah. Uh, after the service, um, so we're gonna have it in this back room over here. Please come, enjoy food, friends, and good times. I love you guys. Let me just now pray one last thing. <clears throat> Father, I love you. I, I thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you that it is the beginning point of a forever relationship with you. I thank you, Father, that it is the foundation of life itself, that that even knowing the cross, knowing Jesus and his sufferings gives us everlasting life. And so, Jesus, help us to become like Christ, like Paul even, who said that I determined to know nothing among you except for Christ and Christ crucified. Because in that, there is such life, there is such love. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. And so, Jesus, I ask that that forgiveness now would wash over your people Right now, that anything that has come up today in these weeks, last weeks, would I ask for forgiveness now, just to wash over your people, that they would know that you, it, you happily have already forgiven them for it, that you, in history, took it upon yourself, that it's gone, that you have forgotten it because it actually happened, that your son took care of it. And so, Jesus, let forgiveness now and repentance just wash over your people. Let a true new mind be given. And I pray, Father, that anyone that wants salvation now would be drawn to you because you draw all men, all women to yourself out of love, that you didn't come to condemn them, but to save them and to give them everlasting life. And so, Jesus, I thank you for this gospel, Lord. I pray that we would continue to work it out in the years ahead. I love you, Lord. Let us now go in your peace and your joy. Amen.